You're listening to That's What I Thought, a casual conversation about life, love, relationships, and the lessons we learn. Here are your hosts, Micah and Annette. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to That's What I Thought. Just Annette here today. Um, For the next three weeks, we're going to be releasing a couple of episodes I recorded with some college buddies of mine, Adam Deckard and our friend Michael Crabill. Michael has uh, his own podcast. It's called We Shall Not Sleep, and it's so good. Highly recommend going and subscribing to him. I'll put his link in the show notes, but so fun. Uh, Michael asked Adam and I to come on and talk about my favorite subject, which is relationships. So I was so excited to get to do this with them. Um, And it was a really cool, unique experience because even though we're all the same age, we've had different different relationship developments. Uh, We're at different places in our relationship. So Michael is single. I got married when I was 26 and uh, Adam got married right out of college. So just some different experiences, but speaking especially to millennials and church going millennials or those with church backgrounds, um, just about what what dating and relationships have looked like and some things that we struggled with or wrestle with um, and just some of our encouragements too as we're walking through it. It's just fun to hear everybody's perspectives on everything. So I'm really excited for this little short mini series for you guys, and I hope you enjoy it. So let's go ahead and just jump right in. Excellent. Hey, guys, well, welcome to uh, the We Shall Not Sleep podcast again. Guests, Annette and Adam, thank you so much for, for coming back. How are you guys doing this evening? I'm great. Thanks. Doing pretty good. Uh, both both great. The, the same time is in unison. It's exactly like we practiced. It, this is not edited. This is just rehearsed. That's all. Uh, no, I, um, I'm so grateful for your time tonight. I, I hope that this can be an edifying conversation for many Christians, especially for us millennials. I know that a lot of the topics that we'll discuss tonight, pretty much, I would say affect maybe the younger Gen Xers, but pretty much millennials. And I mean, God forbid what the problems that are facing, uh, the, the Gen Z, um, generation of, of people. But one of the things that I, I really wanted to get your insight, uh, tonight, um, is about how, how we define like relationships in this, uh, in this country and our culture that we've grown up in all all three of us went to Olivet. We were there at the same time. So we kind of have an understanding of this, you know, young Christian culture and how we have grown up in it and then being given expectations. You know, we have to meet certain expectations. And if we don't, there's like this hourglass out in the ether somewhere that's ticking down. And if you don't meet these things then you're somehow, you know, doing it wrong, and one of those happens to be like relationships, whether you're in one or, or not in one, it seemed like you always had to have an answer. And I, I'm just wondering in, in this particular culture, I believe we have an addiction to them, whether uh, it's, it's pressuring people to be in them or pressuring people um, while they're in relationships to have to do certain things. I'm just wondering, is there really an unhealthy addiction? I don't, I don't even know if there's a healthy addiction. But if we just say relationships, and I guess as we apply it to the church, do you think that think that is something that's that's creeped into our Christian culture as well? That we have this obsession with relationships. I'll start with you in that. Um, yeah, I mean it's a great conversation piece, and I would probably err on the side of also being obsessed with relationships because I mm-hmm. love love. I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I think it's important to to define exactly what we're talking about because like obviously we're speaking to a very niche group here. I mean, even in the introduction you're talking about, we're talking about, you know, 21st century, specifically probably millennials um, who grew up in the church, went through purity culture, the back end, um, had kind of this marriage expectation. I think we're talking about like, whereas, you know, for most of the world, that's not their situation. I mean, even in the rest of America culturally, they are more on the end of, you know, sexual revolution, which is what that purity culture was like, you know, let's swing the pendulum. So you have those butting up against each other. So I think on the other end, you have like a group of people who are very much opposed to marriage relationships, which I think specifically we're talking here about like, marriage, erotic, sexual relationships. Like that's, that's yeah. what we're talking about. Um, so I think it's interesting even in that backing up and getting some perspective on this conversation to say, you know, we are talking about specifically something a very small group of people has experienced. And especially like in the very broad sense of even what's happening around the world today, but also all throughout history. I mean, we're in a very unique situation where we get to choose the people that we're with like we're not doing arranged marriages we're not you know enforceable marriages hopefully <laughs> so i mean we're in a very uh, very unique space and i think with that that's where a lot of these challenging questions come from and i think probably what some of that fi fixation comes from is there's a lot of pressure on you to make a decision to navigate waters that most of the culture has not, and most of history has not, and to do it in a way that is bringing glory to God. Not that I think, you know, we should all have arranged marriages or whatever, but I think it's important to recognize like, yeah, you are in a unique situation. So being frustrated with this is understandable. And at the same time, there's like a lot of blessings with that. Cause obviously, you know, you get to choose, you get to find the people you like, you get to chase them down in your own unique way, do it in your own timing to an extent. Like obviously, ultimately you're not gonna make a decision for another person, but <laughs> to an extent, you know, a lot of this is in your hands. So I think even, I think it's important to set the tone of this conversation and recognizing like, yeah, we're in a really weird time in space, in history, internationally, even in Christian culture with how we think about marriage and sexually intimate relationships, that's so different. So I think, of course, naturally there's fixed fixation in the same way like we have a fixation on technology, on social media, on internet, because we live in a post-technological uh, revolution age, you know, post-internet invention. And so things grow at this rapid pace. So I think there's a lot of things we are seeing there building up to this conversation. And a lot of that includes, you know, we are, we are post, I would say, uh, post-Christian culture and post-monogamous marriage culture, you know, post-sexual yeah. culture. So like, you know, 1950s church, 1950s nuclear family, I think that's typically the expectation maybe we felt like we had to do because that was the path laid out for our parents. And so we perceive that as, you know, like you had said, to make mom and dad happy. 
I mean, I think all of us here are overachieving good Christian kids to make mom and dad happy. This is the path I should follow. And, you know, part of that is you meet a nice Christian guy, you get married at a nice young age and you start having babies. Like that was kind of sold to us as the ideal and in a really negative sense in the purity culture in a way of saying like, if I act this way, if I do these things, if I don't sin, if I follow these rules um, that God slash my parents <laughs> laid out for me in my mind, then, you know, God owes me this perfect relationship on my timeline and we'll have the best sex ever and we'll have the best relationship ever. Woof. And so that's not, <laughs> that's not to blame the people who were doing purity culture things. I mean, clearly that was not their heart's intention to have that be a side effect. And I don't blame them for that at all. But I think it's recognizing in us, like, you know, our, our sexual purity isn't a bargaining chip for us to get a relationship. Um, and I think some of the fixation in relationships is us trying to navigate all of that. So I wouldn't see a fixation on the relationship to come back to your original question as a negative thing in a sense. I think there's naturally a fixation on relationships in young adults in our psychology, and that's nothing to be ashamed of. There's naturally a fixation on relationships in the way that God has created us. Um, whether, you know, even in your lifetime, if you're single your whole lifetime, you are still created as a sexual being. Like you still have the parts, you still have the ability, you still have the desire. And I, there's a navigation of like, what do I do with that then? And then God questions come up with that. And like, you know, if I have these feelings, if I have these desires and they're not going away and I'm praying about it and God's not giving me a wife, um, like, what am I doing wrong? Did I do something wrong? Am I being punished? Um, and so <laughs> all this to say, I think a fixation is normal. And I think a fixation is, is not bad. And I just, I, that's how I would want to start this conversation. Cause I think in the overachieving evangelical millennial mindset, we just want to carry a lot of shame for that. But I don't think there's any shame for that. Like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's God's heart for us is to shame us for thinking we want to be in relationships and we're not. <laughs> well, so I don't think we need to, I'll ask any more questions uh, for the evening. No, I, I think what, what you're picking up on in that is fantastic. I have a tendency to make broad statements, but in a way, in a, in a leading question, it's nice to start out by defining, I would say defining the relationship, relationship talk. Uh, no, uh, but what, what you're getting at is like, is leaning into the natural things, but also competing with the expectations that our parents and the church as a whole places upon us and then reconciling that with, what God wants of us. And I think that's probably the most difficult angle is that at the end of the day, when we have those urges, we have those desires. And when it's not being met, when your expectations are not being met by other people, your peer group in particular, when you want to please your parents, when you're younger, then you leave a college, you want to please your peers and you don't have an answer. You can feel as if you're doing something wrong, which can lead to a, a lot of pathways. One of which can be an obsession unhealthy and, and trying to fulfill other people's expectations. And another one could say, well, obviously that's not the plan for me right now. However, I'm going to continue to live my life for God, allow him to guide my path. But that's the thing is that that ends up turning into a cliche, which can be a whole other uh, form of temptation is, oh, God just hasn't brought you the right person yet. Yeah. Well, no kidding. I'm I, like, I don't know that already. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, um, and so Adam, with what is Annette is saying, she is putting things in in context here. She's she's putting it uh, the question in our our terms, what we uh, us three have grown up in. You we you and I have talked a lot about purity culture, and it, and it's you know it's somewhat benefits of like the virtues of wanting to to teach of certain values and still within them. Maybe it wasn't done in the right way. I I fortunately was part of. Uh, a church that did it, I think, in a very good way. But I also had Teresa Garner as my youth pastor where, you know, there was a lot of great things from a very young age being instilled and it was consistent. But you've shared with me the stories of where that's obviously not the case. But what, what, what do you think, though, given what we've, we've started out with, that do we, do we as, as millennials and as Christians, do we have an unhealthy addiction or obsession with relationships? Or are we just venting our frustration on something that as Annette was saying, is completely natural. We're just burdened with different social issues because of technology and social media. Hmm. No, I think this is this is definitely a. I don't want to call it a coping uh, conversation, but I, I do think it is a maybe more maybe more of a processing conversation. Just kind of processing the. Um, processing what we grew up in it's funny um michael gave us a you know just a, a just a general outline of of kind of what we were going to try and hit and you know maybe four or five four or five things and i had i had taken a little bit to not a not a lot i didn't write out a lot but i wrote i wrote down some thoughts to keep me focused <laughs> and uh annette i i have to say that you you touched on probably a good portion of things for at least all four or five of those questions, which I think is, is good because it's affirmation in my head of like, okay, that's, that's a good talking point. That's a good, that's a good thing to touch on. So thank you. Is that Adam was a good boy and prepared ahead of time. And I was like, these are just my feelings. I'm gonna talk <laughs> <laughs> just because I just don't, you know, me, me processing in real time makes for very bad uh, radio, because uh, you know Michael can attest. There's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth when I'm trying to figure out what I'm thinking, because I have to say something in order to figure out. No, that's not what I think, and then I backtrack, and then it's like, where did he go? Anyway, well, well the, the so, beauty of it is I can edit all that in post and make you sound amazing. Like, how did you I mean, come up with that in like that's 30 fair. seconds? That's fair. Maybe, maybe I should you know, be in radio more often, but well, it's a great part of that is that there's just a microcosm of this conversation is that all relationships are extremely nuanced based on who you are, the individual. So. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So the only thing that I will add to the, the initial broadening of this conversation, if we're kind of taking a step back, we're taking a look at kind of our, our, um, we're, we're, we're trying to, to, we're trying to figure out a good place to start. Right. And the only other place that the only other thing that I would add to that, that you, that you briefly touched on and it was like, we, we are made everyone, everyone is made in God's image. Everyone's made in God's image and communion and community is at the heart of God's identity because of his triune nature. Um, and because we were made in God's image, you know, we, obviously we, d we desire community. We were made to be in community and you know, we not only long internally for a relationship with him, but with other people. Right. So, um, um, I think that 
um, and we're, we're kind of narrowing our conversation to, to, to conversations within the church. So I won't get into, you know, like how people, I don't know if I want to get into, you know, it was like, how do people outside of the church deal with that versus people inside? Like, because there are different coping mechanisms of like, we all desire community and we all want that. We all, we all desire that that's a desire that we all all have. So people, you know, they, they try and fill that they try and fill that hole in different ways, I, th I think. Um, but I think for um, uh, for those who are in Christ, I think that is you know, it is still easy to make an idol out of relationships or or the idealized relationship, what it means to be in a relationship. Um, you know, if if being in a relationship, specifically a marriage, is this this uh the epitome of intimacy or is the the highest tier that you can reach um you know that can be that can be idolized and you know yeah. almost as a almost as a a cookie cutter to to press on the community and if you don't fit that cookie cutter you know kind of like what annette was saying like you you you're somehow on the outside and one thing I might be, I might be jumping ahead of my own notes a little bit, but um, there was this, we, we kind of talked about, you know, the, the, you know, the cultural context and, you know, the, um, you know, the fifties into the sexual revolution into purity culture and all this different stuff. Um, I think that a huge part of this conversation on because Michael, you said a lot of this boils down to expectations, like what, yeah. what expectations are placed on us by the faith community. But I think that the expectations are a, are a, um, a lack of adaptation due to the cultural changes that have happened around us, partially because of social media, but in large part because of um, the extension of adolescence. And I can't remember if I talked about this when, when we were briefly talking about youth ministry that one time that I was on, but the extension of adolescence, I think has, has huge ramifications for this conversation because people aren't getting married at 18 anymore. They're not having kids at 20, you know, they're, they're, you know, because of, you know, going to college and then it takes longer to settle into a job, which takes longer to, um, you know, become more financially stable. People are more comfortable setting, settling down when they're financially stable. So then they get married when they're, you know, late twenties, early thirties, maybe they don't start having kids till their mid thirties. Right. Because, you know, some people just, you know, have kids right out the gate and some people wait a while. Some people don't have kids at all, which is another conversation of like, you know, the ideal picture, the, 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 the picture perfect family, and kind of the, you know, in our Western evangelical community is, you know, the mom, dad, two kids, right? So if you, if you, if you're not having kids, then what are you doing? Um, but I feel like there are just so many more elements that have been added on in the, in, in the recent, in recent years. And I think that we're slowly becoming more aware of people or, or the, the conversation has shifted a little bit, I think, and, and people are more aware of just different preferences. Like, I feel like awareness of 
difficulties in getting pregnant and having kids um, are, are becoming more normalized. Like um, I, I have several friends who, who either, you know, either they can't have kids or it's taken them a very, very long time to have kids, or they've really, really struggled with, with physical ailments through pregnancy or all these different things. Like we're just becoming more aware of these things. So the conversation is shifting less from, at least I think, is shifting less from like, hey, when are you going to have kids? And more like, like, do you feel like that's something that you want? Like, are you able to have kids? Like, is that, you know, on the table kind of thing? You know, it's a little more, uh, I, I hope that's a, it's a bit more sensitive to, to, um, to that. I don't know. Um, it, it's a, it's a conversation that, I mean, it, it, we wouldn't be able to solve all of it in one night and I dare say no. solve anything, but I, what we're the themes that we're talking about and we're touching upon is not just expectations, but it's, it's things that uh, we are, what, what Annette was saying, you know, meant, meant to do, I guess, as, as creatures, we're, we're here uh, to well, procreate. I mean, if we want to boil down the purpose of our life here on earth. We're here to serve God and we can serve God well, Jesus is, you know, very clear, you know, if you love me, obey my commandments. Okay. Well, we know what his commandments are. You just got to read the gospel. And then if you are seeking after him, you're in a relationship, you're in a marriage relationship, you're there, you have kids, you raise them, train them up to be, uh, be uh, Christians. And then there you go. There's purpose on, on the planet to save others and dedicate your life to Jesus in now in the interim where your life begins or where your life ends. Uh, and that you, you said it uh, like relationships. Well, of course, like relationships, that's, that's what we're about. That's because we're relational people. And I love that passion. Um, one of the things that I see as a, as a direct result of this, of the, the expectation game is the comparison game, which social media just exacerbates. Uh, and not that social media is bad. It's any, like any tool it can be used in horrible ways. I mean, Sometimes it's great when a, when a hammer hits a nail, but it's really bad sometimes when a hammer hits a baby. Uh, and that's sometimes that's the misuse of the actual tool. And we've, uh, we've talked about this definitely in D group about the things that we see on social media, the things that we post, the things that we share with one another, even as Christians can be very harmful. And we, or sometimes we're naive of that fact. Annette, let me, let me go back to you for, for a second. Just, just as a, a general question, how do you think, social media has impacted the way we view relationships and this Christian subculture that we're in. I think it's probably just a, it's a magnifying glass. And um, I mean, like you said, it's a comparison to where I need to be. And, but again, it's not necessarily the tool's fault, right? I mean, these are all human user error things and these things I mean, they exist whether you're online or not. Like I, if I was living in 1800, walking around my town and Jenny's married and I'm not, I'm still going to be mad about it. <laughs> so right, like, exactly. the tool, I mean, the platform is just part of that. Um, but I think, I mean, it's interesting because even in this conversation, we have very different stories when it comes to relationships. Like Adam got married right out of college. I got married several years after college. Like, uh, what I was... See, I wanted to get married by the time I was 24 and I got married when I was 26. So, you know, there's, there's your expectation. Um, and then, and Michael is living a single life. So like, even all of these things, you have very different experiences. So, I mean, social media can be an avenue of that, but it, I mean, I, when I 
was single and lonely and really looking for somebody like church was just as difficult you know especially if you've seen the memes where like you know the last available guy at church shows up with a girl and you're like no mm. oh, my last hope is gone and just can leave you in you know it leaves <laughs> you in, a, in a desperate place and so all of these things are conversations with you and god i mean he has he has a unique story for you that's not going to look like anybody else's period i mean whether that's you're feeling frustrated in your job whether you feel frustrated in your friendships your relationships whatever it is i mean there's things that are going to bother you because you see that someone else has them and you don't like i mean i think that's part of being human and relationships are just another avenue of that i think there's a couple of different directions you can go with that and i think probably multiple that you need to take and i think one of them is to grieve i think it's okay to be sad that you're not in a relationship in the timeline you thought you'd be and i think god is is happy to sit with you there and say you know like clearly god knows the plan for your life and he's got good things but he's able to to resonate with what you're feeling and say like i'm so sorry your heart is breaking like i'm so sorry like that you can't see what i see that you don't see you the way that i see you but like i'm still gonna sit with you and be where you're at and then i mean the second thing is you know to take it a self inventory sometimes i think it, it's frustrating and i'm not like saying this is everybody's case but sometimes people aren't in relationships because we hold ourselves back because we've been taught some of this theology too especially as a female that you know the guy should come to you he should ask you out um he should um be pursuing you you don't have to put yourself out there like all of these kind of things and so i think part of it too is evaluating like why am i responding the way that i'm responding if i want to be in a relationship like you're probably going to have to go on dates like you're probably going to have to put yourself out there I think that that analogy where the guy's sitting on his roof in the flood and the boat comes by and he says, you know, that's okay, keep going. I, God's going to send me someone. And then the helicopter comes by again and he says, that's all right, God's going to save me and sends the helicopter away. And then the guy's going to drown and, and God's like, the guy's like, what, God, why didn't you send me anyone? And God's like, I sent you so many people, like you didn't do anything with what I sent you. And so I think part of it is like, in our grief and our frustration with our relationship status, it can blind us to the opportunities that God is giving you. So I think, I mean, the same way you daily have to pick up your cross, you daily have to grieve and lay down the things that you thought you were going to have right now. And at the same time, pick up the things he has for you today. And maybe that's putting yourself out there when it's uncomfortable. Maybe it's hey, there are some things that I need to work on in my personal life. And like, I need to see a counselor and work some things out because there's these patterns in my relationships that are holding me back from good relationships are I need to deal with this past hurt or I need to um, deal with this expectation I have of the future. I mean, sometimes it's just idolatry of what we expect. And then you bring up your spouse into that and suddenly they're supposed to fill this great gap and need in your life. And they're like, I'm only a person. <laughs> like they're yeah. gonna continually disappoint you then. Yes. Because you've said, you know, all this time I've been waiting for you and you should be this great, awesome thing. And they're like, well, I'm doing my best, but I'm still human. <laughs> so Yeah. You know, that this is this is great. And I really appreciate that insight because that you you're talking about social media as a magnifying glass. 
um, you know, Adam, I, I wonder if you'll you'll agree with with her take because um, it's very easy to take social media and use it as a scapegoat. But the the themes that Annette is talking about and the struggles, um, talking about like 19th century or whatever, yeah, the the feelings of anger, um, sorrow, um, you know, jealousy and misplaced expectations and thinking that I don't know, God should have me in a different place uh, because if I was God, I certainly wouldn't want me here. Uh, those things have always existed. But yeah, social media has, has made it more ubiquitous in that comparison. I mean, you can see everyone's success. So yeah, it does amplify the feelings. So I, I would say it certainly plays a role because I don't think we use it well. I don't think a lot of people use social media responsibly. That's just my personal belief. Um, but what do you, what say you about social media? Are you, are you with this understanding that it, that it has worsened thing, but it's not the true root cause of this relationship angst that we have? Can you clarify for me? Like what, to what arena are we speaking? Yeah, just guess. again, just the, just the church. Like how, how is social media in exacerbated or may or not played a role maybe in this, this search for relationships and this comparison game that we play with ourselves? I mean, I think of, we, we did the eye test at Olivet because we were there, we were present, but since leaving uh, college and not being around a lot of our friends, we still stay up with a lot of our friends through social media and through all of the social media apps that we use, whether that's dating apps too, we can still keep up with people. We can still see their failures and their successes to the degree that they want us to, because I think the, the part that social media where is a little bit new is the, is the editing tool that social media provides is you're only getting the image of what people want you to see. Whereas it's a lot more difficult to hide that in person. Um, you can't hide. I mean, I would say in most social circles with, without technology, it's really hard to hide the grief or hide uh, the, your singleness or your displeasantries, maybe you could do it for a little bit, but you, you'll find inconsistencies where social media, it's like, my life's great, even though I'm miserable on the inside. Right. Right. Man. I don't know. I, I, I have so much to say on social media, but I just don't want to go off on the wrong trail and talk about something completely different, but. Well, you're here to, to we're here to record and talk. So I would not dissuade you from talking uh, about it. Gotcha. Um, but I mean, yeah, it, it, social media in and of itself could be its own podcast that all three of us could talk into on a, on a separate uh, separate episode mm. for sure. And I guess for, for this conversation, though, like as far as how it affects our relationship thinking is really yeah. what I'm after. Yeah, honestly, I think that. I think that social media has really played a role in how we think relationships develop in the first place. Ah, OK, like. Because I mean, I think we, and again, this boils down to expectation. Like it, it shapes our expectations of what relationships are going to be, what they're going to look like. You know, we have, and we have our quote unquote, like religious faith-based expectations of what a relationship will be and what a spouse will be, which is what Annette was talking about. And like your, your, your husband or wife is only a person like they can't meet those expectations but I think it also plays into, again, like how, how the relationship forms in the first place. And I think we'll start to, we'll really, really start to see this more with younger generations. I know we're speaking more specifically about our generation, but 
like i think that like i think social media and our interaction with it and our dependency on it has for some eliminated certain or seriously deteriorated certain skills needed in order to build relationships for instance i have many friends who rely heavily on dating websites um which is not a bad thing i have several friends and family members other you know family members who have met their significant others via you know a dating app or website it's a viable option in today's world especially for bigger cities you know or different places where it's just I mean, again like maybe you don't maybe that one single guy in your church is taken right what are you going to do you know it's it's a good option social media is you know this thing that I keep going back to, and just in my discussions about social media, is that it's utopia and dystopia at the same time. It's so cool that you can find someone on an app, and you you share mutual interests. You already have kind of a lot of this like basic information out of the way. Like I know this, 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 and this about a person, and I can take a step toward that person. You know, knowing that we already share some of these same values and and, and all these different things. Um, I think that's great. But I think it also can be a crutch in, in just like, it's a huge handicap for just learning how to take those baby steps with a person like small talk, for instance, or, um, uh, or, you know, I was thinking about this the other day too, like even just like memorizing information, I can count on one hand how many of my friends I actually know their birthday and the rest of them, Facebook just tells me, why is that important? I think that, you know, between like phone numbers and birthdays and favorite foods and these little things that like, as you get to know a person, you commit these things to memory because they're important, right? Like, and you committing that to memory shows that, that like you care about that person. Like, Emily would probably be upset if I didn't know her birthday or our anniversary or like what some of her favorite snacks were just like those little things that like show that yes, like I've been listening. I've we, we are living this life together. Like I care, you know, and so tying that back to social media, I think that man, I don't know. I think we've just like how do you how do you be curious about a person if all those little things are taken care of on the front end i guess like i i think that sometimes it handicaps our ability to be curious about a person like if you're not curious about your spouse like continually curious like that's a problem like a, a, a relationship stagnates or dies the minute that you stop being curious about another person and i genuinely believe that we've lost part of our ability to like just take interest in another person and like i i i am constantly when i'm with my students when i'm with people at church i'm constantly going through my head and it's like okay what question do i ask them next what what did they tell me last week that they were doing and you know what like how could i ask them a question that would you know whatever 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 like I have a student who loves racing. What can I ask him about racing? Or like, I know nothing about racing. You know, what do I ask him? You know, so it's like, 
like when, when we're talking about the development of relationships, be they romantic or non, but I feel like specifically it helps in, you know, it can help in romantic relationships. Like it, it skews our ability. It skews our ability, excuse our ability to connect and what we think is connection is is this um, it's not it's not a false connection but it, it's it somehow seems diminished yeah we'll catch you next week with part two of this series see you then mm-hmm.